1: Venture Anything. Jeanette Barnes brings you insights from people behind the news and people like you. Now, Venture Anything.
0: Today we're talking about what's happening with the families who have relocated to the New Bedford area from Puerto Rico following Hurricane Maria. We have an update. Since this interview was recorded, the deadline for uh, temporary shelter assistance from FEMA has been extended until May 14th, so the March March 20th deadline discussed in this interview has been extended, but the families um, are facing many of the same problems, just with a new deadline. And now, our program. Today, we're talking about the families who came to the New Bedford area fleeing damage from Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico and what the community is doing to help. Joining us is Darlene Spencer, Director of Family Support Initiatives for the United Way of Greater New Bedford. Um, Darlene has been coordinating the local effort. She runs weekly meetings where service providers share information to make sure people are getting the help they need without duplicating services. Welcome
1: Darlene. Hi Jeanette. Thank you for having me here.
0: Tell us a little bit about what's happening with the families.
1: Sure. Um, Well, we've been very, very busy since uh, end of October after Hurricane Maria hit the island. We began receiving families into our Family Resource and Development Center. As of uh, this week, we have over 200 families um, that we're servicing, uh, consisting of 317 adults and 257 children. So as you can imagine, it's a lot of work. Uh, we have a small staff, um, but uh, I call them small but mighty, um, that have been doing a, a lot of work. Um, and we also actually, in January, we, um, as part of a statewide effort, um, We received some disaster case managers here in New Bedford to help assist us specifically with the FEMA uh, families uh, needing to access FEMA or putting applications. So we have three uh, disaster case managers. Um, They're about 30-something statewide. Um, So we're very happy to have them as part of the team to help support the families. I'm also very grateful for our community partners. Um, As you stated, we've been meeting weekly since uh, the end of October um uh, there's probably a total of if you add everybody up probably 30 community partners that have over the space of the last couple of months been getting together weekly to talk about the needs of the families um relocating here to new bedford
0: i understand that um finding housing is is almost their number one issue really right yes um Um, and 300 um well over 200 families there's mm-hmm. a lot of families where is everybody are they in new bedford and what kind of accommodations do they have
1: so um there's various different places some are in hotels if they are, are eligible for what we call uh tsa shelter services from fema they're eligible for hotel so they're about probably that we're aware of 20 something families in hotels new bedford um Dartmouth uh, as far as Seekonk for us in this immediate area. And um, some families are doubled up in uh, with relatives in public housing, um, and then others are just in, with relatives. The majority of families are with, with friends and family doubled up, um, some in public housing, some in private housing. So obviously um, these are very temporary for all situations. These are very temporary uh situations, for housing situations, so they are, um, many of them are looking for permanent housing. Hmm.
0: And are you finding that many of these families um, would prefer to go back to Puerto Rico when their homes are ready, or would they prefer to stay? Right. We've had a few families go back
1: already. In fact, one flew out today, um, and, you know, I think if I, if, from, you know, what I see in here, the majority of families do want to stay. Um, it is going to be a long process for some of them that have homes on the island to get uh, repairs, to have repairs on their homes. Um, schools have been closed uh, up until recently for a few months. Schools were closed, so that meant the gap for kids learning. Um down in Puerto Rico so now that they're here they just don't want to pull them out of school Um, they're waiting you know potentially you know looking at it at the end of June when school closes Um, I think everybody's aware that economically before the hurricane hit that Puerto Rico had some economic um, struggles Um, so I think taking that all into account families are many of the families are saying I want to settle here for the least temporarily, for, for the short term. And, and not to say they're never going to go back, but I think they recognize that there are some, there's, there's some challenges and barriers to that. And, um, you know, maybe a year from now or two years from now, that might be, that might be a different uh, subject matter that they may consider going back permanently. Do
0: many of them own their homes in Puerto Rico, so now they have real estate that they have to deal with there? Mm-hmm.
1: Some do. Okay. Some do. Um, I, anecdotally, I would say, you know, about uh, well, half the families have their own homes. The other half lived in apartments um, that were damaged. Um, so there's a good mixture
0: of folks. Okay. And um, are how many have been able to um, find work here?
1: Uh, a few, um, and I, uh, people are looking. The Career Center is one of our partners. Um, they've been very helpful. In fact, they have a uh, staff person um, stationed at the um, our Family uh, Resource and Development Center on Monday mornings. And um, they've been very helpful um, in, in linking folks to job or um, temporary job agencies. Um, so a few families have found job. not everybody. It's been a struggle, but um, we have folks that have gotten jobs at stores, retail outlets, um, construction, um, some of traveling from what I hear all the way to Middleborough um, for, for job opportunities uh, through a temporary agency. So there are folks that are definitely looking for, jo- looking for jobs. One of the biggest barriers for folks is uh, their capacity of speaking English. So uh, one of the things as a group that we've been talking about is the need for um, English as a second language classes. Um, We have one mom who is actually a social worker by training um, in Puerto Rico is looking for that similar, similar position here barrier has been her limited English and she knows that and she's been taking classes at BCC but it's a process hmm. as everybody knows to learn any language and so she's really trying really hard and in getting to get her English more fluent so she can get a job in her chosen and her field that she's a uh, career field
0: I believe at one of the meetings, someone said there are actually some registered nurses. Absolutely, uh, but they're, um, they're licensed mm-hmm. in Puerto Rico. They mm-hmm. cannot get the same license here without more training. Is that right, or is it only right. about language?
1: It's 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 the licensing and the language. Okay. So, and that's we have a, a weekly statewide conference call with uh, Department of Children and Families and other human service uh, state agencies. Um, And on that call, we've actually discussed this issue. This is an issue statewide um, for um, all the families that have uh, relocated in Massachusetts because there is a difference in the license, not only for nurses, but for CDL licenses, for for driving trucks. So all this licensure, um, transference of licensure has been a huge topic of conversation for folks. So um, I know there's a grant put in with Department of Labor um, that was awarded to the state that they're looking for uh, individual support for, for uh, Hurricane Maria folks. To, and that's one of the issues that we're trying to tackle is the licensure issue, along with the, ES, the English as a second language.
0: Do you know if those licensing issues are similar to what would happen if they had come from another um, state in the continental U.S.?
1: Right, it's similar. It I is. mean, okay. at, you know, even as a social, some, it depends. As social workers have licenses too. So, you know, it's some states are reciprocal. You know, they will take another state's license, some will not. I mean, it's like being a lawyer. I mean, uh, a friend of mine that's a lawyer, she keeps her. Bar active in Washington, D.C., and just because she, she thinks if she happens to move back there, she'll, al- she'll already be licensed. So it's any field that has a licensure, you, you have to, yeah, you have to be careful um, depending on what state you live in, and if it's reciprocal, if it's not, you have to take that state's uh, licensing exam.
0: Okay, and uh, you mentioned the other day that um, families are starting to worry about the March 20th. Um, Deadline for FEMA housing aid. Yes, uh, that's that's essentially the next time that it's scheduled to end, unless right. unless it's extended, right? Uh,
1: absolutely right, Jeanette. Um So we're working along with the disaster case managers to try to. Um, <laughs> create a plan. Hopefully, with with uh, the person, um, we're giving them the option. The state is now paying for air flights back to Puerto Rico. Um, as I said, one, went, oh, one family went back today. Um, so we are giving them the option to um, uh, to be flown back. Um, I, not many people are taking that. Um, so th- we are trying to uh, be you know realistic on. What is available, um, New Bedford public, the New Bedford Housing Authority has been wonderful. They, as apartments, if they're on the list, they've applied for housing, public housing, uh, a vacancy comes up, they're on the list, depending on what number they are, they get an apartment. I think about 10 uh, families have been placed thus far. That might be a little bit high, but about 10 um, in public housing, but there's only so much. So, I mean, it's when there's a vacancy. So, um then the next step would be around the plan would be can they afford private uh, private apartment? And because not a lot of them are working, they're trying to find jobs. It's what can they sustain an apartment. So, um because of their status um in uh as a disaster survivor um and their their ability to access FEMA, um, they're not eligible for state services around housing assistance. So it's pretty much they're on their own. So it does become a, a dilemma. Um, we had one mom uh, working to, was working two jobs, um, just like anybody else that's in this area a lot of times working two to three jobs to maintain a rent. Capacity of paying rent, so they're not any different, and as and as far as needing to, to economically be able to assist, afford rent. I mean, I think we've have a huge issue. Um, we've had a huge issue. This is nothing new uh, with affordable housing, um, and um, in New Bedford, anyway. Um, so this is just to me another layer of folks coming in. You know that um, that have to already be put into a system that was already struggling around affordable housing um, and availability of affordable housing. So um, it's, as far as the plan is concerned for the March 20th, yeah, we're worried. I'm not gonna say we're not. My staff is worried. Um, oh, yesterday's meeting, we did discuss, you know, you know, what is gonna be the plan um, for these families. Um, we've been pretty lucky. Um, this is the second extension uh, the third extension, this will be the third. Ex- this is the second extension um, that we've received from FEMA for the, for the folks in, in the hotels. So if that, um, you know, we're hoping it might get extended. and um, But if it doesn't, you know, what is the plan? What is the plan for, the, you know, through, as a city, how are we going to respond to that? I'm, I can't answer that right now, and I'm very worried about the fact that I can't answer that right now. My staff is worried as well.
0: So they may have to, I mean, many are with family, but those who are in hotels or motels, they may have to leave, right? Because um, the FEMA aid will no longer be paying for the room. Yes. And you don't know what's going to happen then. Right, absolutely.
1: And I can't tell the numbers. I mean, we may be, but Red Cross has been fantastic, and they have filled the gap for a couple of our families that have lost their FEMA hotel aid. We don't know if that's going to happen for everybody if that happens. So it's it's almost uh, like a waiting game. It's when, when when when's the you know when's the domino going to drop when's the we don't we don't know and um, we just as I've said I think in meetings that you know I tell my staff we got to work with these families on a day to day basis so it, it, we can't I think we'd get paralyzed if we start thinking about oh my God March 20th we may have 10 families you know what we're doing is you know today we're going to find a job today. You know let's look at apartments. what can you afford what can you know so it's sort of taking it a step by step so by time March 20th maybe we'd, we'll have less families that need uh, a placement to, uh, housing placement by time March 20th. If we get an extension, I'm just going to say hallelujah mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, but at this point I have to say we're taking it on a day by day basis
0: okay, and I know there was some discussion in the meeting of um, how FEMA defines whether someone's home in Puerto Rico is habitable or not. Right, uh-huh.
1: right. So, I mean, so there's been questions. We've had folks from the community that have been in Puerto Rico in the last month or so, um, even either helping out with uh, hurricane relief or um, visiting their family down there to find out how they're doing. And, you know, the reports we're getting back is, you know, uh, that FEMA um, inspectors are just looking at the outside of the house they're not going in. Um, we've had one mom say, "Yep, yeah, um, FEMA has said my house is um, is livable, but there's mold um, in the house. Um, my my son is very very allergic to mold. She showed us the his testing, his allergy testing, and you can see. I mean, yes, the poor kid was had allergies. At, he should not be living in a house that has mold." You know that's clear, and she said, "I do not, do not. At this point, I do not want to return there because of that. My son's health condition will worsen. So certainly, you know, I'm not a FEMA expert, but you know, I, you know, I. The thresh sounds like the threshold for what's livable is uh, potentially very low. You know, for the for the everyday person or what they would want to live in.
0: Okay, so what are uh, what are some of the next tasks you have before you?
1: So we're actually, because of this concern about March 20th, we are going to reach out to certain folks in the community to kind of bring attention to this housing situation. Um, Homeless uh, Service Providers Network, who's been a great partner um, with us as well, um, you know, I don't know if anybody has the solutions, but I feel like the more we're talking about it, um, you know, I feel a little better about that. Um, we are um, potentially looking at having a job fair, um, you know, to bring some uh, businesses together to have the opportunity, you know, so folks can have the opportunity to apply for jobs, maybe something mini. We are... Um, One of the things that we're doing um, in conjunction with New Bedford Public Schools is uh, we're going to have a workshop uh, for Hurricane Maria parents with school-aged children um, to check in and uh, have a workshop on navigating schools. We do that for parents anyway every year, And but we felt like we needed to do a, a special one uh, for the folks that have been coming in the last couple of months to do sort of a check-in and see how they're doing and how they're negotiating uh, helping their kids get their education. Um, so that's coming up as well. Um, And as I said earlier, I mean, we're just we're taking it. We are taking it sort of day by day, and we're working with our partners. And we have a great community. Um, You know, we have. uh, I've been in the human service field for um, close, you know, 30 years. Um, And the one thing I can say about uh, in New Bedford is uh, we have big hearts. Um, We we're giving people. um, We want to help. And we certainly have seen that with, the, you know, every week with the providers that come to table um, and want to support the families. Um, that's not so much the issue. I mean, the issue sometimes is beyond us, you know, beyond what some of the hands-on direct service folks can do. Um, and we're just relying on each other at this point to make sure the basic needs are met um, around food, clothing. Um, the shelter is a big one. We don't have a lot of control over that, Um, and we're working with what we have at this point.
0: I know the representative from the Career Center had said that people who are looking for work really should register there because they might be able to get some um, English classes.
1: Yes, absolutely. So as I said, um, we have a staff person um, on Mondays at the Family Resource and Development Center from 10 to 12. She speaks Spanish. Her name is um, Alyssa. Um, and um, or you can go right down to the Career Center. She's there you know, every day. Um, and I encourage that highly of everybody to, or anybody, not just Hurricane Maria families, everybody to go down and um, they will connect you with the resources, hopefully. If it's resume writing or uh, they have employees going down and doing mini-fairs down at, at the Career Center, so I, I highly encourage uh, folks to utilize that resource. It's very important.
0: Um, okay thank you so much for for joining us and telling us more about this effort
1: thank you so much for having me
0: just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left